0: Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton podcast, the show where each week I'm speaking to pharma, healthcare, biotech, company owners and industry leaders sharing their stories of both personal and professional growth. This week I'm joined by Simon Crow of Clindox. Uh, Simon, uh, you and I have um, had quite a good chat off air previously, um, but I've given you a little introduction there. Please do us all a favor and give us a better introduction and a quick overview as to who you guys are at, at Clindox.
1: Super, thanks, thanks very much, James, and thanks for inviting me uh, along to the, uh, the podcast. Um, really appreciate that. Um, so I'm the uh, CEO of Clindox, and I came to Clindox last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, through a consulting exercise to, to reset their strategy and their direction, yeah. uh, which we can talk a little bit more about um, later on today. Mm. And uh, in mean, parallel to Clindox, I run my own business, Blue Marlin Data. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fair to say that Clindox is my principal focus at this moment and represents a really interesting proposition. So, uh, so I come to that with. 30 years in business and, and 20 years, 20 plus years now um, in life sciences, in clinical research. So uh, looking forward to, to today's session and, uh, and helping helping people to learn a little bit more about our story, my story.
0: Massively so. Well, as in terms mm-hmm. of uh, ClinNox, in terms of uh, the, the business, uh, you mentioned there that you uh, joined fairly recently uh, and helped with various bits of, of restructuring but as far as I'm aware, the company originally started back in 2013, um, so how just talk us about the, the restructuring and what the, the focus is for you guys in terms of what you're trying to achieve and what you're doing on, on a day-to-day basis. A quick overview of, of what you do as, as a business right now.
1: Yeah, sure, so, so you're right, uh, we started out in 2013 the business actually went through quite a significant restructure in 2018. Mm -hmm. Uh, as the original owners um, or one of the original owners and founders um, left the business and uh, and there was a change in structure around that. And then uh, we also took that opportunity um, to move our R&D and our customer success team out to India Mm -hmm. um, in Pune, and that was from, from Ireland originally. Yeah. um to take advantage of the cost base there but also the, the experience expertise of, of the people in that region where mm-hmm. you, you know you get very very high quality but literally at a tenth of the price um, that you would pay um, in this part of the world. so yeah so that was an interesting sort of um, junction in time and then from that point in 2018 um, the current owner started to bring on board um, experienced people from the industry, to help shape the future of clinicals, mm-hmm. um, but if we think about today, uh, today we're a company of twenty-five people, twenty-six people, mm-hmm. and twenty of those are in Pune, in India. Wow! Um, and there we um, do our research and development for the product, um, which is a SaaS-based uh, clinical research clinical software solution for collecting data f- um, in clinical trials and. Um, we also uh, do a lot of our delivery on boarding of customers who want to use our products um, through our customer success team in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a sales marketing function there, um, quality assurance and, and finance. Sure. And then here in Europe, um, we have the owner, um, we have um, a couple of investors and uh, we have our executive um, commercial team. So myself, I'm located in uh, Ireland, I'm in the South of Ireland, and uh, we ha- then have a commercial director who's in the UK uh, and a head of global sales who spends his time between the UK, um, mainland London, and uh, and a nice place in Northern Ireland. Um, so so with, with that structure, um, what we're doing is we're delivering to our customers um, a SaaS-based e-clinical solution. And and within that, we have electronic data capture, we have coding capabilities, randomization, I was
0: say uh, EDC, and e-pro C- tools. EDC side of things. You guys are the developer of the CRF Web EDC application. Uh, it's, I guess, helping to, to change the way that, yeah, CROs, med device companies... I guess just work with all of their clinical data, as as far as I understand.
1: That, that's absolutely right. I mean that that's it in a nutshell, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know, part of part of the the work that I've done with Clindox is to refocus our attentions. Um, the life science sector is pretty broad. You've got the verticals of pharma biotech medical device, diagnostics, Mm -hmm. uh, nutraceuticals, um, and uh, animal health. So those are there, and and, and those um, represent globally a a huge, huge space. Um, And the pharma biotech space is pretty much saturated now with e-clinical vendors at all levels from enterprise through mid-size down to SMEs. Yeah. Um, so it's not a great place for a young, small company like ours to play. And some of the other um, sectors um, like animal health, nutraceuticals, academia is another space. There are dynamics there that, um, you know, also mean it's commercially it's it's not as attractive. There is attraction there, but it's not as attractive. So for us, um, we're starting to sharpen our focus uh, every day towards the medical device sector. We still have customers in, in other areas, um, right. and we certainly can do work for customers um, from the other verticals, but day to day, you know, we're looking to continue to sort of fine tune, sharpen our offering uh, for the medical device
0: sector. Sure, no, look, that, that makes sense. I think as you and I spoke about previously, um, you know, when you're in the world of, you know business and, and predominantly sales, it's better to, to find your, your focus and concentrate on that because you try and do too much and you just end up spreading yourself too thin and none of it gets done particularly well. Um, yes, look, massively agree with, with that kind of strategy. Um, and that's yeah, a, a great overview as to what you guys are doing, where people are based at the moment. Um, but look, before we go further and delve into uh, how you're getting on and, and plans for the future. Um, Etc. Let's have a quick rewind as to, to how you, you first got into the industry. So you said I think it was thirty years in business, twenty years in the world of life sciences. Um, but I know uh, from our conversations that that wasn't I, I guess the original plan coming out of um, sort of school and, and college and, and things. So <laughs> how did you how did you first get into the industry? You know what was what was your background and and um, yeah when when you started out in business, Simon.
1: Well, I, I can tell you I have a confession. Uh, purely by mistake is the short answer.
0: <laughs> you're not, so, you know what, you're not the only one. <laughs> so
1: so I actually, I I, uh, I did a, a, a degree in um, maritime studies at college. I was a uh, keen sailor, strong interest in the sea. And so that seemed a good idea at the time. But when yeah. I left, I wasn't convinced it was what, I wanted to do so my first role was actually selling chewing gum to dentists for Wrigley's that was my first proper job and then I moved back
0: from sailing to to selling chewing gum (laughs) exactly so not a logical
1: leap but but it was um it was a good foundation in sales actually Mm. um and Wrigley's very professional in, in in training me up yeah, and uh, from and there I was, moved.
0: Was that was was that in 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 Europe? Um, because obviously Wrigley's is a US-based company, which is where a lot of kind of our audience and our network um are based. But you were selling that UK-wide or European-wide? Just just in UK. In fact, my sales territory ran from
1: Lincoln in the UK um down to Cardiff in Wales, um and took in places like Birmingham, Wolverhampton, and I can. I can safely say that anyone that wants to reach out to me um, and learn a bit more of some of the stories, um, they're very welcome to do so. <laughs> um, I was young and impressionable, and, and I got an opportunity then to, to move to the sailing industry, mm-hmm. uh, which is a real passion of mine. And uh, I, I ran the sales office for one of the leading clothing brands for a while, and then mm-hmm. I went out on the road for them. And then after that, um, I started to drift towards the IT sector. So you worked
0: for the, the value-added
1: re- reseller channel in the enterprise resource and um, planning space. So this was uh, computer systems to manage sales orders, work orders into the manufacturing process and onwards in terms of delivery and service. And, uh, and I, I sold a, a sort of a mid-market solution um, mm. uh, for a long time. And through that and the interest in the computing, um, I then moved over to a, uh, around 2000, I moved over to a a B2B um, website design company and internet application developer. Mm -hmm. But they were doing fairly generic stuff. And they were doing some work with Stafford Miller, um, which later I think became part of GSK. Uh
0: And...
1: That was to do electronic data capture. So they'd developed um, uh, uh, an application suite to build out EDC, ECRFs.
0: So that's how the, uh, the dots kind of aligned, looking, looking back at that now then.
1: Exa- exactly. And, and, and through that experience, although um, there were, again, some, some good stories around that particular company, mm-hmm. um, I started to build out a, a network. In that space i started to build more and more of an interest in that space and i seemed to fit very well um into that world
0: and uh and so from there what, i moved what was to- it that you think perhaps enabled you to fit well into that that world at that time was there anything that you can you can remember that you thought yeah actually this is a, this is a good fit for me because I, I guess a lot of our listeners uh often you know, aspiring clinical research profession, uh, professionals may not necessarily know what is is their fit yet. What was it for yourself that made you think, okay, this this could be something here? Well, i I, I found
1: it I found it intellectually challenging, um, and for me that that that's important. I like to try and stretch the mind. Um, I found the the people uh, very engaging, very professional. Mm. Um, and I've, uh, what I really liked about it was that there was an, a truly global scope to the opportunity. Definitely. Um, you know, it wasn't just about, um, you know, a piece of the UK or maybe even a piece of Europe. It truly is a global industry and you can move mm. around, as I've since discovered, you can move around the industry and move to different parts and keep it fresh um, very easily. Um, you know, in the global life sciences and global clinical trial space, and with a technology bent to it, so so that's what excited me and kept me really interested. And and I loved the IT side of it. It was a mm. you know year two thousand, and and everyone was starting to talk about the internet dot com boom, and yeah. you know it, it almost became the only conversation in town. And 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 now actually, I find. Um, after uh, 20 odd years in this industry, we're at an, a new junction point where there's there's equal amounts of excitement, but this time it's not a general dot-com boom excitement, mm. it's healthcare and IT, of which life sciences and IT sits in that So um, much space. innovation
0: at the moment isn't there. It's oh, it's, un- it's unreal. Un- unreal,
1: it's unreal. Yeah. Um So yeah, so I, I you know, I, having sort of been, bitten by the bug, I then moved um, into the CRO space for a while. I worked with PPD Mm -hmm. um, and then onwards um, to a couple of other CROs. But I came back to technology um, in 2016 with metadata. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, there I looked after their sort of CRO community across Europe, Middle East, Russia, India um, and Africa yeah wow and and then onwards um, um, to medrio castor and and you know all the time building up experiences building up knowledge of the market, building up you know a contact network mm-hmm. and understanding some of the the strange dynamics of this marketplace it's not obvious to many people it it still still doesn't have um, a, a solid structure for tech sales, like the one that I experienced in the ERP space. Mm -hmm. There, you know, the concept of a value-added reseller was absolutely nailed to the floor. Yeah, And and it was easy for people to understand. And you, you knew where they sat against, you know, the developers of the software and the hardware systems and the networking infrastructures. In the life science sector, within clinical trials, the CRO community in essence, will become the value-added reseller network, Mm for tech companies, as we transition away from people doing the work and to to automating. It's just that, you know, not all of the CRO community, of which there's about 1,600 companies worldwide, perhaps get that, or even want to subscribe to it at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very interesting that IQVIA, the largest one of all of them, um, is actually, Leading the thinking on that, uh, they've always done that since they started up life in back in 1982. But now, you know, they th- when they announced their merger, Quintiles' merger with I- IMS, that that really shook a lot of the CRO community and particularly mm-hmm. the bigger players. You know, yeah. we have to get our act together in a different way now and turn people into technologists. Yeah, and data scientists.
0: It's 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 moving that way more and more. And I think it will only continue throughout, um, I guess, the, the market, whether you're big, small, mid-sized, emerging startups. I think everyone kind of needs to, to jump on board or just risk getting left behind. A
1: hundred percent. And, uh, you know, it's and, and that's where I, you know, in terms of Klimdox's position, I'm fascinated because our, our broader ambition is not to be an EDC vendor. That's not what we call ourselves internally these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as time goes forward, we'll start to... What is the,
0: the label then that you, you give yourselves? If it was to be a, a snapshot label um, that you give yourselves at, at Clindox, what would you sort of define that as?
1: Well, we, we want to move to being a data science solutions provider for the medical device sector.
0: Perfect. As as I said earlier, that that focus, that that you know niche or niche, however you want to pronounce it, um, is what you know where you're looking to position yourself. And positioning, um, is is everything these days. Um, so yeah, it's it's good that you guys have got that locked in. You've got a clear vision, which uh, we will certainly come onto. Um, but you know, for for you guys uh, and yourself individually, after those roles that you had, and you know finding your feet and that the market and somewhere where you felt that you belonged. When, at what point was it that um, you got approached by ClinDocs? How did that um, come about? How how did you end up um, being their CRO? Because I was quite, quite interested by this, but again, it was almost a little bit by kind of chance coincidence, but I'll I'll let you explain.
1: Life, life works like that. Um, You know, you get to know that as time goes on. And uh, in fact, In in um, the period of time that I was working with Metadata Medrio and then Casta, mm. um, I was getting back into and, and more in tune with the market. And when particularly I was spent the time at Medrio and Casta, these companies were tackling the SME market and the mid-sized um, enterprises, mm. but not the really huge companies generally. <clears throat> and and so we from my metadata days, I I came across a new um, set of peers, new competitors. Mm -hmm. And um, within that um, space and, and, you know, promoting um, the Medrio and then the Castor solutions to the life science companies, I started to come across companies like Clindox, and for that matter, Clindox. And so, um, and I've always been very open in nature. Um, so I like the competition um, uh, across the business, but I try and um, tr- try and help all people, and mm. even at times the competitors to compete. You know, because with healthy competition, you know we all prosper. So, so in that um, period, I came across the guys at um, Clindox, and we just got chatting. Mm. You know, and they explained to me about the process they'd been through of, of restructuring the business, and now, you know, really looking at a clean sheet in terms of what should we do. We have this lovely software product, which mm-hmm. seems to be, you know, at a um, uh, at least comparable to our immediate peers in the marketplace, evidenced yeah. by, um, you know, a good number of customers who are um, buying on a repeat basis. Mm. Um, we have the beginnings of a um, customer team, and we have, you know, a lot of other pieces of the foundation for Clindox, uh, you know, to prepare us for growth. And uh, and so we were talking about these types of things. I was talking about the dynamics in the market, the opportunity for growth, um, the position the markets in, but the variance across the different verticals. And they liked it, mm. you know. So. I think my initial conversation was with Paul McCartan, who's the global head of sales. Mm. Uh, he then introduced me to Mike Oxley, who's the commercial director. And then the pair of them introduced me to Tom Beaufoy, who's the founder and, and owner of Clearbox. Yeah. And very quickly, um, each time at each stage, we developed a, a quick rapport. Uh, and um, Ultimately, I was then introduced to Mayora and Prashant Kasot, who uh, Mayora looks after our customer success team and, and provides an umbrella over some of the, the other business functions in India. And Prash is our CIO. Mm. And together as a team, we absolutely clicked. I, I, I mean, they're an absolute pleasure um, to deal with, uh, to work with, to work alongside.
0: Just what you want. And
1: Sorry?
0: Just what you want, isn't it?
1: Oh, I mean, you know, I've worked in all sorts of different setups and for lots of different types of characters throughout my career. Um, I can only think of a couple of occasions where it's absolutely completely gelled together Mm. Um, on quite a few occasions. You know, there have been sort of issues in one direction or another, which perhaps cause you to to decide to move on and do a different project. Yeah, but but here. Uh, I was made very welcome. And and when I went um, uh, to embark on the consulting project to really take their business apart and look at the best way we could reconstitute it um, to drive forward and take advantage of the opportunity that exists out there. um, again, there was an openness and a willingness to cooperate, which I've only come across on a few occasions um, in my career and that really um, convinced me that this, this um, could be a really successful project. So, so we, we worked, all worked hard together and, and lots of other members of the team as well uh, got involved, but we all worked hard together last summer and came out with this 10-year plan and then a three-year plan and mm-hmm. then a one-year plan and currently we're working through the 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 first year's plans for 2021 and already we're close to doubling our turnover our revenue
0: so yeah how i mean how how's it going you know the impacts of the virus um and and just the market in in general because there's not only you guys that are innovating everyone else will be innovating as well so yeah how how are things um going for you guys at the moment it sounds sounds well by the um comments there (laughs)
1: It is well, um, but, you know, I I think your audience probably would appreciate some candour as well. Um, It's been very interesting. So in the the specific context of COVID-19, on a personal note, COVID-19 has been extremely good to me. So it allowed me to set up my own uh, consulting business, Blue Marlin Data. Mm -hmm. And it allowed me to participate and and then engage with the team at Clindox and build out a plan which everyone sort of bought into and is now executing. And for me, that's been incredibly positive and and rewarding. I Mm. I can't tell you. And so on a personal note, it's been very, very good. Um, On a business note, it's been incredibly challenging. Um, So... As I was coming into the business, they were experiencing, of course, the first bite of the COVID pandemic last summer, moving yeah. into the autumn. Um, but there was enough momentum in the business to carry us through. Um, we undertook a range of different initiatives to tighten up the way that we did business and the way that we deliver our business and our solutions. And that also helped to start to insulate us um, from risk. Um, and that's been successfully carried on through um, uh, into the first quarter of this year, but in April um, we then um, experienced this new um, second wave in India.
0: Mm. I was going to yeah perhaps drill into that because yeah we've a lot of your staff based over there and it's yeah everywhere in the news about India uh, the situation at the moment. Just how much of that has been a, a, a challenge and how you've, you've dealt with it, just on a, on a professional note, but also personally as well. Well, I,
1: I can tell you that, um, first of all, my my heart goes out to the Indian people. Mm. Um, to observe what's going on there from a distance, but to have a strong connection with a group of people and their families in India at this very moment in time, yeah. is quite challenging. They're, Uh, They're in a very, very difficult position. So so what we've tried to do is we've tried to be as compassionate in their situation as Mm -hmm. we can, but also to to continue to try and drive our initiatives. Mm -hmm. But with the current um, situation, um, even just a couple of weeks ago, we had a situation where a large number of our staff were either COVID positive or had a number of members of their family family as COVID positive. Mm. And, and we I'm had to put they're, on...
0: They're, they're, they're remote at the moment, right? They so are working not, remote. not in an office or...
1: Yeah, so we, we have an office in Pune, um, but um, each time that the COVID pandemic has sort of struck, mm. we've moved to a remote working model and that worked very well for us last year q4 particularly and the the team responded beautifully to to collaborating like that and in fact it was almost seamless we didn't notice we were able to push our business along deliver customer projects yeah there was very little disruption at all um this time around what we've learned is that even when the staff are sent home and work from home there is Equal amount of risk as they are to working in an office. Wow, which is an interesting dynamic, I can tell you. Yeah. Um. So, so that what, has meant what, that. Um, why do you think you that know, is
0: out of interest, Simon? I'm just just wondering because yeah, if they're at home like what we have been, I guess in the UK or for our audience uh, in the states, you know, you kind of you're isolated to an extent. So, have they given you a bit of an insight as to the the additional challenges that they've faced, or um? Oh yes, I mean, I, you know, I'm, 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 interested to follow this, you know, around the world from my side of things, but
1: absolutely. No, I mean, you know, it's it's very practical things. So, so a lot of our colleagues um, would be living in sort of apartment blocks or complexes. So mm. there's a lot of contact, a lot of people. I see, and and India, um, there's a lot of paperwork as well that mm. goes with everything. Um, so a lot of bureaucracy to tackle around maintaining safety or achieving safety. Yeah. Um, challenges with things like Wi-Fi. Um, so we take it for granted, relatively speaking, that we can have a nice Zoom meeting. It's totally uninterrupted. Sometimes. Um, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, they're facing things like power outages, mm. um, you know. So there's, there's, there's a lot of challenges like that. And then, the, you know, there's some very personal stories, um, probably not appropriate to, to share on the podcast today. But, mm. but, you know, there have been one or two very, very sad situations uh, for our staff. Thankfully, none of our staff have, have, have got into really big problems, but mm. you know, close family members have. And, and so, you know, it really touches the day-to-day working of the business. Mm. And... What, what I admire incredibly about our team in India is their resilience. They are amazing, I can't tell you. So there's not a single complaint about their situation. Wow. And what I often have to do in my, manage, in my management meetings is ask them to stop working so damn hard. Yeah. So if you wanted to see commitment from people to provide solutions to help in the world of healthcare, and you wanted to see people working in quite adverse conditions, and still be so tough and resilient and productive, Mm. then you only have to go and visit the Clindox team in Pune. It's quite incredible. And and so, you know, after- Amazing um, to hear. Yeah, so after a situation a couple of weeks ago where we had to put our contingency plan on standby. So we have, of course, you know, we have to be, Responsible in that way as a business, so we have a contingency plan we can execute if needs be. Um, we put it on standby. I can say, you know, thankfully that now we're, we're back out of that. We 99% of our staff uh, are all healthy, happy, and and working hard. Mm. And we just have a couple of people that are poorly at the moment, but you know, they're not too poorly. So, so we're in we're in really good shape. Um, and like I say, we, we have a contingency plan in case it, it does deteriorate you know, mm. to a very critical level. But uh, I can tell you, dr- doing all of that remotely, so um, one of the strangest things is I've been CEO now of the business since uh, December of last year, and I've been engaged with the business since June of um, last year. Mm. Um, I've not actually had a chance to visit our Pune office yet, of course. Mm. Um, in fact, I've done most of my work from this desk, Uh, and that in its own right has been a a challenge of communication. Um, One of the things that exists is, you know, there is a cultural difference between India and and Europeans. Yeah. And you need to, one of the things that we've needed to learn to do as a a management team is, is factor that in, you know, so that they're happy and they're doing the work. That they can do and we're happy and we're doing the work we can do mm. um and that's 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 been quite interesting to to work upon um when you don't have the opportunity to go and shake their hand and give them a you know give them a hug and say jesus lads you know yeah
0: well like well done i can't believe you're you know still working at this capacity has, has that been you know i always ask people that come on on the show you know perhaps the biggest things that they've learned about themselves over the past eighteen months. Would you say that that is probably right up there for yourself as you know? Been how managing these guys remotely and that you know the, the difference in culture when you've not, as you say, um, sort of met them face to face, shook their hands, etc. Yeah,
1: I mean it's it, it's it's been a, a really interesting journey in that respect, and to be able to to use digital tools actually um, as a a strong foundation for making changes in the business that we needed to make quite quickly to to pull the risk in um, and allow us to to continue even against the COVID challenges. Um, And to, to learn about people's willingness and interest to follow a good, focused and concise plan i think a lot of people sometimes suffer from too many plans and too many changes to the plans where we're a team are, are really trying to to keep the plan um singular and focused and easy to understand and easy to execute upon and and that's proving really
0: successful well I'm a, um, I'm a big believer in that if when you know certainly as a ceo or a leader manager whoever you are in a business if you've got people that you know fall under your control and uh, you're having to lead you know you want everyone to buy into that same vision don't you Uh, and once you've got that and that sense of unity uh, then you kind of just get that uh, mentality of look you know it's us against the world we can we can we can do this and that is where you know no doubt your guys over in India who have been facing these adverse um conditions have continued to, to perform even despite your efforts to try and get them to calm down a little bit well,
1: you know, I, I I love it. I mean, uh, you know, that that's, that's also what I'm learning um, mm. uh, on a personal note, is, you know, if, if you have got a good plan in place, everyone's signed up to it and understands it and likes it, it's amazing what people will do off their own volition. Um and, uh, uh, you know, in that sense, I'm very, very proud of the, the ClimDocs team and, and, and how they're, they're working. And uh, it means also that um, in my particular role, uh, I can still, even though these are challenging times, I can still take one or two steps back and think about, you know, the next piece of navigation we need mm. to do. How do we need to get through all of this and, and get to the next step or next place we want to get to and uh so that that's really helpful
0: as well and um, um, uh what but is that you know what are your plans um yeah both personally and for, for clindox moving forward as we sort of move through 2021 as the, the world of pharma and biotech emerges and perhaps innovates even more what you know what's you mentioned the the 10-year plan the three-year plan the one-year plan what's what's the next kind of six to 12 months looking like for you guys um is it going to be uh, i guess you know certainly the european team uh, i know from next monday it is return to offices as um the government are saying is that the plan uh, i mean how are you how are you what you know what's in store for you guys uh, so we
1: we um we're at a stage now where we're busting to grow <laughs> so 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 um We've started a process in, in recent weeks um, to look at um, the next round of raising finance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that first, that first round will be about um, rounding off what I call the foundation of the business. Mm-hmm. So rounding out on our uh, approach to delivering our solutions, to building our solutions, to maintaining quality across the business. Yeah. So running the administrative functions in the background, the finances, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So we've still got some work to do around that. And
0: that, we've um, got, making sure it's a solid base to build from.
1: Yeah, exactly. A solid foundation. And and, you know, we're making great progress. But the covid situation in India has um, uh, held us back a little bit, I would say, mm. um, to the extent that we've, you know, one of the things that we had to do um, as we learned about the situation in April was to redirect the Indian sales team to selling in Europe because there was no selling being done in India, I can tell you. Yeah. So so we had to make some tweaks and changes like that. But the intention is to raise a small amount of finance, um, round off the foundation. And then once the foundation is rounded off um, is then to raise a larger amount of finance, probably our first series um, round, so series A. Yeah. Um, and that will be to start the process of accelerating our growth into um, the medical device space. Mm-hmm. And we use that to, to fuel sales and marketing, uh, first and foremost, because we have a fantastic product already. Uh, we have a great mechanism for delivering it. Mm. It's just that not enough people know about it at the moment. So, yeah.
0: so, so that's, that's number one on the list. But,
1: exactly. And, but, but we have a whole host of plans um, to evolve both the, the product and the delivery mechanism um, as rapidly as we can so that we can really provide medical device companies with a holistic digital mechanism Um, for managing their compliance activities. So so there are lots of really great solutions out there to help them manage their sales forces, their marketing and distribution activities, their manufacturing, uh, even some elements of their R&D processes, finance, materials, all these kinds of things, all the aspects of these businesses. But the one piece that is still would you believe from time to time we, we find people still working on paper mm. um, if there's one piece that's been neglected in medical device companies up and down from SMEs up to the, the large enterprise, global enterprises it's how they have digitized and tackled the compliance piece Yeah. so obtaining the licenses for their products and then maintaining those licenses you know, in an ever-changing regulatory environment mm. so
0: you know, from it that sounds st- like there's a bit of a gap in the market there and, and you guys are, are filling it exceptionally well, or certainly um, and plan to do so on a much grander scale by the sounds of things.
1: Exactly. I mean, there are companies that do some elements of it, but there's, a, there's quite a few companies sort of nipping around the edges of it. Mm. And what we see, um, you know, would be valuable to the medical device sector is to bring that together bring it together in a platform, bring together the services that uh, can deliver that platform, help them transition to more of a digital mode of operating. And within that, you start to get that notion of data sciences. Mm -hmm. So if we can help them to digitize that space and start to accumulate data around this aspect of their business, then that, that ripples into their plans for analytics downstream, and then driving through new scientific, technical, and operational innovation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we want to be part of that process. We want to be uh, a significant component within their engine or within their machine.
0: It sounds like there's a a good synergy there. So I'm I'm sure that it will go well. I mean, headcount-wise, at the moment, you mentioned you're kind of 25 of of you guys. Um, To give us an an idea of the, the... the pace at which you're looking to scale. Um, you know, where, where are you looking to be? Say, so, you know, if we looked at like this time next year, how many, how many people are you targeting to, to have on board and uh, by that time?
1: Well, we, we, at this stage, you know, in 2021, we'll double our revenues. Um, our goals are a bit more ambitious, but I think given some of the challenges, you know, that the world is throwing at us, mm. if we double our revenues, that's pretty awesome. Um, And (laughs) we'll probably add um, another five people to the business. So we'll probably finish this year with about 30 people Mm -hmm. in the business. Um, I would be disappointed if we didn't double the workforce in 2022. Wow. And continue that um, going forward. Um, At the moment, we're working with, I think, 20 customers across India, Israel, and, and um, Europe. Mm. And if we look at the European medical device sector, there's 27,000 companies. Mm-hmm. So our market share is quite small at the moment.
0: Yeah, and, he, <laughs> and I, so, I guess a lot of our audience is, is based in the US and there'll be um, you know directors at med device companies that perhaps tune in. Is is the US an area that you would also happy to cover or is the focus initially Stay, stay in uh, Europe, and then expand out further down the line.
1: Yeah, so so certainly the US is is on our radar, as are APAC countries um, mm. uh, as well. But our belief at Clindox is um, bite off what you can chew. Smart move. And exactly. So so you know, and we know that to go to the US market or to go to the Chinese market or Japanese market, for example. Um, would need, it would need significant funding and resource and leading to significant resources, people, mm-hmm. so that we can set up a structure for things like help desk support. Yeah. yeah so that we can nuance on language or regulations for that particular market. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we can put in um, place an expert sales and marketing team, you know, to penetrate the market so that we can put in customer support people that can really do a great job for that particular market. And so um, part of our plans, as we sort of grow into that that world of being the data science player for the medical device industry globally, Mm. will be to take each market chunk and look at it, develop a go-to-market strategy, make sure that we're well-funded around that strategy, and then execute. Um, Amazing. What I've seen in my role over the years is that there have been a lot of very interesting startups in this space um, but they've not taken that level of sort of commercial view on how to expand
0: yeah so quite often it sounds sounds incredible it sounds like you've massively got your head screwed on you know what you're doing you've got a plan which is it's not to do it all all at once because that way it just falls flat it's a kind of master the basics and then take that, adapt to it at different markets and the different nuances each time. Um, and over time, before you know it, you'll be achieving that 10 year plan by the sounds of things. I mean, that's kind of how I see it. It's just a very sensible plan. And without that long term plan, you, you're never going to hit it. So it's, yeah, it's, it's great to hear that you've, you have it mapped out. It's just a case of executing now.
1: Well, that's that. That's the that's the key, that's the key, the piece that entertains us on a daily basis.
0: Indeed. <laughs> well look, um, Simon, so, mean, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, hearing the plans uh, for Clindox and for the business. Uh, I'm sure that it's gonna go well. I'll certainly be sort of tuning in to keep an eye on how, how you're getting on and no doubt we'll keep in touch. Um, but look, outside of, um, I guess, the world of, of pharma, biotech and, and things, as I said, Monday for, for myself in, in uh, London, indoor um, restaurants and things will be be opening up. What, what are you looking forward to post lockdown over in Ireland? I know it's been pretty strict, uh, but I know you've got your free boys, you're into your sailing, you like tinkering with cars. What um, what are you looking forward to outside of um, the world of, of work?
1: Well, you know, the, the, the piece I miss the most, and I think probably most people are gonna echo this, is to go for a pint on a Sunday and have a meal, mm. you know, and relax and, and just enjoy friends or family's company. Yeah. Um, that, that piece has been ripped away from us and held back um, by the governments for, you know, well over a year now. And um, that, that's the piece that I really, really look forward to. Now, I'm, I'm enjoying a little bit of sailing. I'm enjoying, you know, tinkering with my cars in the backyard. Um, and, you know, I'm enjoying teaching my daughter to, to drive, I think. Um, and my, <laughs> my, my middle son is coming up to learn soon. Um, and we can kind of do those things now under the current um, regulations that the Irish government has imposed. Mm. I think the other thing is to be able to travel for business. I'd love to get out and see my colleagues and now friends at, uh, in Clindocks in Pune. Yeah. Um, you know, these people um, deserve attention because they've certainly, you know, through, you know, as I've explained, through thick and thin, they they've performed, and and I would like to go and personally thank them for that. Um, but well, then I, encourage them to address some of the initiatives that they've been slacking on you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's, it all sounds great and look, I, I think yeah your, your plans on, on the personal front almost mirror that you know in terms of your thought process on, on the business front it's, it's about you know simplicity doing the basics and that is the, the key to, to life and, and success in general I think so um, absolutely yeah, so, I think it's um, been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. So thanks again for joining us. And look, for anyone that wants to reach out to you, uh, I'm assuming that I'll share links to, to your website, but is there yeah. so sort of anything else that you'd like to add before we um, let you get off to enjoy the rest of your day?
1: Uh, you know, I'd like to thank you, James. I think this is a really super initiative that you've developed. And, uh, you know, I've enjoyed many of the other um, podcasts that you've uh, published. Uh, it's a really interesting resource for people like me and, and my executive management team and other people in the business to get the perspective of different leaders across the industry and what their experience is both at a personal and uh, and at a commercial uh, and a business level so I really appreciate that and you know if people have found uh, what I've been talking about interesting they want to learn a little bit more it's really easy it's simon.crow at clindox.com. Um they can ping me and uh, you'll find me in an easy guy to, to hook up with and spend a few minutes chatting about whatever topic uh, you want to talk about. But, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm not one of those people that uh, gets stuck in too many back-to-back meetings. Um, I like to keep focused on the priorities and, uh, but also give time where, where people are interested to spend it.
0: Definitely. Well, a great mentality. Uh, fantastic having you on the show as a guest. Uh, look, enjoy the rest of your day.
1: Thanks very much, James, and you enjoy the rest of your day too.
0: Cheers.